KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome to the KPBS Summer Music Series. He's written songs for Eric Clapton, Leonard Skinner, and Tom Petty. We hear from J.J. Kale about his passion for music, not the spotlight. Plus, songwriter Alfred Howard and his mother Marion share their ambitious 100-song project that includes a painting for each song. That's next. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome to the KPBS Summer Music Series, San Diego's own music discovery podcast that features encore presentations of our best in-studio performances and interviews, celebrating our diverse music scene and beyond. I'm your host, Kurt Koenig. In these tumultuous times of protesting racial inequality, living through a global pandemic, and the growing economic hardships, the arts have kept us sane with entertainment that helps us escape this current reality. Songwriter Alfred Howard and painter Marion Howard, his mother, joined Alice and St. John to talk about their new multimedia project and how to stay inspired through hard times. We begin with their first song from the project, We All Breathe the Same Air, by Al Howard, performed by Nathan Moore. An ocean of tears can't undo the embers of a moment in amber We all will remember when the wind blew in a tempest of tempers And the truth was exposed to the light We all That was Al Howard's song, We All Breathe the Same Air, performed by Nathan Moore. It's part of Al and his mother Marion's new multimedia project, Alfred Howard Writes. Marion and Al Howard, welcome to Midday Edition. Hey, thank you for having us. Now, the song that we just heard, We All Breathe the Same Air, is the first song released for this project. I got to say, I love some of the lines, like 2020 vision is a blinding affliction. And I want to read part of the chorus again. We all breathe the same air. Only love can pull us through the dark. And if it's one, it's everyone, someone's daughter and someone's son. So, Al, first of all, you, what does this song mean to you? So this song was a, a direct response to the lynching of George Floyd. 
and seeing that happen live in the streets in America. And um, one of the important things about this project to me is like, I've been in bands for years and you'll write a song and sometimes it'll take two years to get the album out. But this platform and creating music this way allows you to be very reactionary. So something like that can happen. And, you know, we were just in shock and awe and also just numb to it too at the same time because there's been so much of this kind of violence on, on blacks in America. Marion, can you describe your painting for this song, We All Breathe the Same Air? It's, it's, it's a kind of wash of color, watercolors you work in, right? Yes, I do. Um, that was a hard one for me because as a mother to a son who is a young black man living here in America, it was very heartfelt. Um, if you can understand what I'm saying. Um, mm. I just, it was, it was heavy for me. Very, very heavy. It was very emotional. I, I cried a lot when I heard it, when I heard the, the, the words, because it just, it just, it just came to my heart, you know, um, mm. because all I could imagine is my own son doing the right thing and this, him being taken from me just like that, you know. So, Al, if you're writing two songs a week, that means that you can respond to what's going on in the news quite in real time. You know, being able to react to it instantaneously, create a song, have it out as a response one week later is, is a different kind of creativity than I'm used to. But I, I feel like for me, it's the way forward. You know, art, art is always reactionary at its best, you know, and there's there's a lot to be inspired from right now, whether it's like adversely inspired or positively inspired. You know, I always try to find hope in these uh, dark situations. So Al, you've been working uh, as a musician for decades and you're one of San Diego's most prolific musicians, but you were close to quitting music altogether before this project began. What inspired this project? Well, I've been playing in uh, eight bands and writing lyrics for eight bands for a long time, but I've also been struggling with chronic Lyme disease for 24 years. And uh, I was getting to this point in my life where the shows and late nights and the toll that it took on my joints, it, it just wasn't pleasant anymore. And it, it started to feel like work. And then during the downtime of pandemic, I sort of got a, a passion for writing again. And I was trying to figure out a way to involve myself in music without the gigs, but, you know, work with some new people. And then I, I kind of came up with this idea. Let's listen to another song from your project now then. This one is called Peace. Veterans of Civil War We fought our lives Until love was no more The enemy is at the gate That was Peace, performed by Shelby Bennett vocals, Ian Owen guitar, Daniel Schreer keyboard with lyrics by Alfred Howard. Well, the two of you are obviously very tuned in anyway, but what would you say working together like this has done for your relationship? I lived on the East Coast. My son came to the West Coast after he graduated from college. So 
this gives me a chance to really know the person as a young adult, not a child. Also to involve myself with him creatively has been really interesting because a lot of times Alfred and I will sit or we'll talk about something, have a discussion, and we'll say the same thing at the same time or we'll be thinking about the same thing at the same time and it just boggles my mind. Just not working with Alfred, but as a mother and a very, very proud mother, I am so glad that my son is back to writing because as a creative person, I can't imagine never doing my art. It's just unimaginable. And for me to see Alfred not picking up a pen and putting it to paper to write, it broke my heart. So with this epidemic that we have going on and that him being closed in for months and me being closed in, I was always going to be able to paint. But when he picked up his pen and started writing and working with this project and shared it with me, I was blown away. And I was like, yes, you really want me to be part of this? Of course I will. You know, no pay, no pay. I'm the only one you don't have to pay. I'm a freebie, you know? So, um, this has been very challenging, but very rewarding for me as a mother to see my son create again and such a nice and a big way. And also a very giving kind of way because Alfred is not selfish and he's not thinking about himself. He's thinking about all the musicians that can't work right now. And how can I enhance their life? How can I help them? And so, yes, I'm, I'm just in awe of what, what I'm able to do with my son right now. So Al, anything to add? Yeah. You know, um, especially during the pandemic, like my mom and I, we, we would get together a few times a week. Sometimes we'd watch a movie or, you know, we'd go for walks and, you know, we've both been very careful during the, the pandemic and we don't get to, to share in the same things that we did, but there's different ways to communicate and getting to communicate via this project, I think has been important for both of us. You know, so we're still sharing something that's really significant. And that's, that's been a, a great and important and needed thing for me and, and my life. And, and I hope so for her too. Well, Marianne and Al Howard, thank you so much for joining us on Midday Edition. Thank, thank you, you so for much having for us. having us. To hear the full interview, see a video, and learn more about Al and Marianne Howard's project, go to kbbs.org slash summer music series. We're going out on a song sung by Jen Grinnells, the lyrics by Al Howard. It's called Always on the Run. Cobblestones and empty streets Virginia is a memory I'll trade the vines draped over trees for Cactuses and tumbleweeds They say I have a western heart Wait until the day turns dark To trace the patterns in the sky Till it rides an alibi
Next up, songwriting legend J.J. Kale talks about enjoying music and avoiding the spotlight. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com. Welcome back to the KPBS Summer Music Series. There are musicians who are world famous, rock stars, pop stars. Everybody knows them. They're legends. But then there are the musicians who are more famous with other musicians than they are with the general public. They're usually called musicians' musicians, the artists who the legends and the stars listen to and admire. Every once in a while, one of these musicians' musicians breaks through to become a musical legend in his own right. And that just about describes the story of singer-songwriter J.J. Cale. He gained fame in the 1970s because superstar Eric Clapton recorded two of his songs, After Midnight and Cocaine, and made them rock classics. But it wasn't only Clapton who caught Kale's Tulsa sound fever. Artists like Neil Young, Brian Ferry, and Leonard Skinnerd all covered J.J. Kale's song. Eric Clapton and J.J. Cale collaborated again on their 2006 album, Road to Escondido, a reference describing Valley Center Road, which at the time connected Clapton's Escondido home with J.J. Cale's Valley Center studio. In 2009, J.J. Cale released his album, Roll On, and was gracious enough to sit down with Maureen Cavanaugh to talk about his life and career in music. J.J. Cale died in 2013 at age 74, but his music lives on and his life continues to inspire musicians. Here's Maureen Cavanaugh talking with the late, great J.J. Cale. I want to start off by talking about um, your new album, Roll On. And it's your 16th album, 12 new songs, including some jazz scatting. Now, that's a new one for J.J. Cale. That's a song called Who Knew. Did you have fun with that? Yes, I did. I generally, uh, you know, uh, I don't I don't really scat. I'm, I'm basically a songwriter, so you need little lyrics that rhyme and stuff. And I got into that and decided that, hey, well, that's something kind of semi-new for me. It's not new. Ella Fitzgerald was probably the most famous scat singer. Uh, Louis Armstrong and a lot of other people. Uh, but uh, yeah, I went. Oh, that's that's kind of fun to do. I I can scat, and I don't have to sit around and write, you know, dumb po- poems and stuff. And uh, so, uh, uh, yeah, it made me laugh when I got through. Blank stairs everywhere. Tough luck, man. What was the inspiration for this new album? Did you want to try new things like that? No, the, I've approached all my albums just about the same. Um, I, this was, uh, you know, number 16. The, the management was, uh, was uh, you know, hey, John, won't you make another, re- another record? And I go, oh, ain't nobody wants to hear. You know, I've already did. I have a hard time with uh, 
uh, not trying to imitate myself. After you, after you made so many records or you wrote so many songs, pretty soon, you know, you, you, you your songs all start sounding. You start sounding like a song you'd already written ten years ago or fifteen years ago. That's kind of the, what's rough about making a new album at my age and as long as I've been in the business or the music uh, kind of a thing is uh, is to keep from imitating myself. So I have to listen to it and go, you know, that sounds like a song I was on my third album. You know. Uh, that's kind of rough. Um, I, I guess I semi pulled that off. You can probably bust me on a couple of songs, but uh, uh, there was no particular inspiration. I'm always writing songs just to entertain myself. And your process, your process of writing songs, your process of recording, has that changed much over the years? Uh, yeah, I'm uh, probably three fourths of the songs I've written. Uh, Written. That's the wrong way to say that, isn't it? Three fourths of the songs that uh, that I've made is uh, been uh, uh, done in a recording studio environment with the recording studio techniques, with the with recording studio tricks that you can do. Uh, everybody does that now. Uh, so, uh, and then I still write some songs. Just pick up the old acoustic guitar and you know mumble something into a microphone. Uh, I play a little more piano on, than I used to, uh, but basically I just you know play the guitar and sing, and uh, and sometimes most of the time nothing comes out, uh, and then every once in a while it does, and that's generally the ones I put in and stick on an album and, and try to get other people to like it. But you know, it's been said that you kind of craft your own J.J. Kale style. I mean, it, you engineer and produce a lot of your music. Is that is that part of it that you really enjoy putting those pieces together? Yeah, I, I've, I've, I'm starting to slowly tire of that technique. I generally now write songs with just a guitar because it's much simpler than you know manip- manipulating all these things and playing half a dozen instruments and stuff. But basically, I've really enjoyed. Uh, I always had a passion for the recording studio. I made my living as an engineer for a long time. So I love all the new gizmos that they have to make your voice sound weird or your guitar sound funny or whatever. And I always enjoyed manipulating the knobs and that kind of stuff. So a lot of the songs I've written, were prob- I would probably not have wrote it if, if I was not in a recording studio. So that was probably my main tool of choice. My main instrument was the recording studio. And then, then you know, just writing with acoustic guitar and, and getting people to play along with you and overdubbing and uh, adding the tricks. It's kind of the way I've done it, basically, for the last 30, 40 years. And, and do you have a home studio up in Valley Center now? Yes, I do, yeah. Tell I've, us about that. Well, it's just, you know, it's just, it just takes up a lot of the room in the living room. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's, boy, you have a big high five, you know, is what people say. And, uh, of course, that's how I make my living uh, is recording studio stuff. And, uh, uh, yeah, I've, uh, and I, everywhere I've lived, I lived in trailers up in Anaheim around Disneyland for 10 years, older in the 80s. I had a recording studio in my trailer. And, uh, and I've had various and sundry houses. I had a house in Nashville. I had a recording studio there. I also rent real uh, uh, respectable big time recording studios. I don't always make it all the stuff at home, but I do do that. Everybody kind of has a studio now because you can now buy a little bitty recording studio that's about as big as a big book. 
for you know two hundred and fifty dollars. That's true. Do you enjoy working with the new tech technology? Yeah, I do. Uh, I miss the old. I, I come up with those great big old analog tape machines. I yeah. learned. To, I learned how to work on them. I spent most of my time not making music, but keeping those old recorders running. I love the old analog sound. The new digital sound doesn't sound quite uh, like the old analog, even though it's better in a whole lot of respects. And so. I had to train myself to, when when the digital revolution come along from going from the old analog uh, recorders. The thing about that's nice about the digital recorders, I didn't have to spend a lot of time on maintenance on the old analog stuff. I was constantly I spent at least three or four hours a day maintaining the equipment to where it, when when we did play it sounded good. The new digital stuff either sounds. It, it either works or it don't. If it don't work, you just kind of throw it away. Throw it away, right. I'm speaking with legendary singer, songwriter, musician, producer, J.J. Kale. And I want to spend just a minute or two talking about your musical influences, if I can. Who were some of your musical inspirations growing up? Well, uh, early on, the, when rock and roll come in, um, I was, you know, a teenager. Or uh, Fats Domino, Little Richard, Jerry Lee Lewis, Elvis Presley. Uh, I was, you know, 17 years old at that time. I was a teenager, and that was, you know, the music of all us teenagers. So those were the early influences. Uh, then I started playing. I was started playing music. So I backed up singers, and uh, I just played the guitar. I didn't sing or anything. So I'd have to learn the guitar parts <clears throat> and all that stuff. And uh, those were the the guitar players in in that era were influenced on my guitar. Lately on, li- lately it's, um, uh, I'm a big fan of Mose Allison, a uh, big fan of Clarence McGate, Mouth Brown, which are, are not top 40 kind of guys, yeah. but uh, uh, I, I really enjoy those two people and, and, and some of the early rock and roll people. And then, then some of the young kids that are, are doing it now are, are uh, uh, they're not an influence on me, but I mean, they've, they've taken music to a whole other level. Now you're from Tulsa, Oklahoma. You would imagine that maybe you'd gravitate towards country music, but you gravitated toward rock and roll. I'm wondering why. Well, because I was a teenager, uh-huh. and uh, the old people liked country music, you know. Ironically, I'm an old people now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know, when you're 17 years old and, and rock and roll come in, I mean, the adults really didn't care anything about rock and roll, not really. And uh, that, uh, so I'm, I'm a victim of my, my generation on 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 how I play music, uh, that influenced me a lot. And, and, and I could actually do that, you know. Pop music was, uh, you know, a whole other thing. That uh, And I was a guitar player, and, and guitar has been very prominent in the evolution of rock and roll. Even to today, every other person on the planet plays a guitar. So uh, uh, rock and roll was, uh, you know, a big, big influence on me, and it's because of my age. I was young, teenager, and rock and roll was, that's what, that's what that music was about and for. Now, your musical friendship with Eric Clapton is legendary. It started with Clapton recording your song After Midnight and then Cocaine. Why do you think you guys work so well together? Well, I don't know. Uh, uh, Eric liked the, 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 those songs, and I liked Eric. You know, my, my songs were kind of demo-ish, and Eric kind of made them a little more accessible to a much larger audience. We really didn't get to hang out together till we made this Escondido album. Uh, we had seen each other off and on a couple of times through uh, through uh, the last thirty years or so, but really hadn't ha- didn't hang out too much together on the Escondido album. 
I think it took us a month to make that album. We were around each other every day. We got to actually know each other real well. We've become close friends. Floating down that old river, boy. All my worries far behind. Floating down that old river, boy. Leave old memories way behind. And your first Grammy is for, <laughs> from the Road to Escondido album that you made with Clapton. You can blame that on Eric. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't really want any more notoriety. I just wanted, you know, the songwriting uh, kind of thing. And uh, you know, I mean, he's so talented. Everything he. Uh, He's around or touches and stuff uh, gets gets into that either large sales or awards and that kind of thing, and it was really nice after doing it for years. But we'll blame that on him. Okay, we'll blame it on him. I, I have to mention another really large song, another song everybody knows, "Call Me the Breeze." It's been recorded by many artists over the years. I think Leonard Skinner's version is really the most famous. What what is it like to to hear your other artists interpret your songs? Well, that's the biggest form of flattery that there is. When you're a songwriter, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you basically first write songs to entertain yourself, and then second, you hope somebody else will hear it and like it. And uh, when somebody else cuts your, I've I've cut a, uh, I, I've recorded a lot of songs that nobody cut. I like my own song. Nobody cared anything about it. The thing that's really knocks you out is when somebody actually takes enough time to to uh, uh, record your song and 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 make it. Uh, you know that they had, number one they had to listen to it. Number one, that's get hard to get somebody to listen to your own to somebody else's music. And then they recorded it. That's really a feather, as they say, a feather in your cap or boosts your ego. That's worth worth more to me than the the actual money. Are there any particular artists? That you've heard your songs recorded by, and you said, "Wow, I, I, re- I really like what they did with that." One of my favorite cuts uh, was a lady named Randy Crawford. She cut a song I wrote called "Cajun Moon." I think she, uh, uh, the first person to cut that after I'd recorded it was uh, Sissy Houston, which is Whitney's mother. Which uh, Sissy was a, was a background singer for Elvis Presley, and some guy, uh, Herbie Mann, I think, recorded an album, and he got. Sissy to sing on it, and uh, Sissy uh, sang on the thing, and uh, that was uh, oh quite a few years ago. Then the next person that cut that same song, the song called Cajun Moon, uh, was uh, Maria Mulder. She had a real nice version of it. And then I was sitting in a the movie theater one day, and in, in between the movies they played music in on to the speakers while people were walking in and out the, her version come on and i went oh that's my song who is that i found out it was randy crawford's really nice version cause cajun moon took him from you cajun moon where does your power lie as you move across the southern sky you took my baby When did you move to San Diego County? I've been down here about 20 years now. And, and why? Uh, I lived in L.A. I've, 
I lived in L.A. in the 60s, and in the 70s, I moved to Nashville, made records in Nashville, and I lived in Nashville all during the 70s, and then I got tired of Nashville and decided I'd like to come back out to the West Coast, like, you know, I really liked it when it was in the 60s, so I come back out here in 1980, loaded up all the things, sold my house, and moved back to, and I decided I'd just live in trailers. And I'd bought me a trailer, and so I lived in L.A. all during the 80s, uh, mainly in Anaheim, uh, in a trailer. And then about 1989, I decided that uh, I'd had it with L.A., you know, the, all the traffic and everything. So I started looking for a house, and I was starting to come down. I'd get down into lower southern uh, Orange County and, uh, and eventually got on, on down in here and discovered that house that I bought, uh, it's uh, about 10 miles north of Escondido. And um, and I bought me a house there, and that's the first house I'd lived in. I've been living in trailers up in Anaheim. First house, you know, got a lawn and a lawnmower and a weed eater <coughs> and pay rent. I mean, pay uh, pay bills and all that stuff. And living in a trailer, you don't do any of that kind of stuff. So what was really nice, I could have all my recording equipment. I could spread it out. I just didn't have to have it in a little trailer. So uh, I moved down here, and then the weather's nice down here. Weather's about the same in L.A. too, but uh, L.A.'s totally different uh, kind of a vibe. And uh, I'm out in the boonies, you know. nearest house is way over there. And uh, it's kind of nice. It's kind of boring sometimes. I miss the neon. I'm an old nightclub guitar player. So I missed the neon, but uh, not so much that I moved back back into the city. <laughs> so I'm in Southern California, north of Escondido, and and uh, I'm, I've been down there. I think I bought that house in 1989. So what's this? 2009. Right. <laughs> so it's 20 years. You know, you are amazing people all all over the listening area with, with that with that recantation of you've been living in trailers and so forth. We hear about rock and roll stars living in mansions, multiple houses around the world, buying their own island, and here's JJ Kale living in a series of trailers. What's that about? Well, I, I enjoyed that. I've I've been I've, I've always been a motorhome trailer kind of life kind of guy. I'm a gypsy. I'm not now. I'm too old to move very far, but uh, I've always been kind of a musician. Kind of has to keep on the go. You can't just stay in one place. You can, but you, if you do, you starve. And I was always, you know, going to Nashville or and, and touring. You know, is is a very mobile kind of a thing. And I was always into to trailers and motorhomes and that kind of thing. I just liked that lifestyle. I was just in. Most people get into it after they retire and they're old. I got into it while, before I retired. I'm kind of at the age now. Ironically, I'm not living in a motorhome or a, a trailer or doing that kind of thing that, the, that retirees do. I was doing it before I retired, so I kind of had it back, best backwards. And uh, but I enjoyed that. There's, uh, I loved having no phone, you know, people because people call me, want me to work, want me to go play gigs, make another record, write another song. And some days I didn't feel like doing that, so I didn't have that problem. There's no bills. You just pay the trailer. People a uh, certain amount of money, or you can stay in, you know, um, parks and that kind of stuff. I love, I love that. Still do. It's I, I don't do that anymore, but I, I really like to do that. Like a lot of your contemporaries, you know, are rock and roll superstars and live the lifestyle. And you've already already managed to keep off that 
mainstream radar. In fact, you don't even like to have your pictures on your albums. I well, mean, they're on there now. For years, we didn't. Uh, I've kind of let, I've kind of let the hype kind of kind of get a little bigger than it used to be. There's just one eye sticking out. There's not yeah, a whole well, face. You know, yeah, but yeah, you're right. Well, I was just, you know, I'm basically a songwriter. I make my living writing songs, and you know, I'm not, I'm not a showbiz kind of a guy, and uh, so uh, that is, that worked out really good. You don't really need. Uh, a lot of hype and be famous to sell songs. Now you do to sell music. So, but I was always trying to get other people to record my songs, and that way I could stay home and they could do the tour and make the records and do the interviews and be on TV and all that kind of stuff. I was always considered myself a background type of person. Uh, it's kind of gotten out of hand here lately. I'm, you know, kind of a little more well known than I used to be, but. Uh, that's I, I I like that I was I wanted to be part of the part of the thing you know I didn't really want to be the thing and uh, and and I've I've kind of done that I'm a little now I go to I go play my gigs and it's J J Kale and I'm you know almost somebody I was kind of uncomfortable with that <laughs> I I love the hey well I'm part of the you know I'm part of the group. And uh, when I go play out and play gigs, and I don't play that many gigs, uh, um, I'm, I'm it. Well, you have done some touring around this new album, Roll On, and I'm wondering, is this for you or is it for the fans? Uh, it's probably ma- mainly for the record company. The record company likes you to, when you put out a record, if nobody knows that you've put out a record, of course the record don't sell. Well, if I spend all that time making the, the record... Then I go well. It, it would be it, it. It doesn't change my life or make any difference to me, really, because I make my living mainly off other people singing my songs. But I had uh, uh, they want you to do a little bit of promotion, you know, and so I've I've done that. Uh, I'm not real crazy about that. I I do like to get out and play every once in a while, but as the years go by, it becomes less and less. This last tour I did was a West Coast tour. I played. Uh, from San Diego all the way up to Vancouver and all the towns in between to promote the album. I played 16 one-nighters and uh, took a band with me and a roadie and a bus driver and, you know, we stayed in Holiday Inns and the whole deal. Uh, that's it's, it's fun for about three days, you know. F- the reason it's fun is because it's fresh. Then after about the fourth, fifth day, you're doing the same songs again, and you know you, you've already told all the jokes on the bus. All the guys all have already did all that, you know, and uh, and then it becomes a day job. I mean, you know, and that's kind of what all us musicians get into music for, so we don't have to have a day job. But if you become successful, ironically, you end up with a day job. <laughs> now, if you're not successful, it'll always stay fun. But if you're successful. There's some there's some business to take care of and that becomes a job. It's still fun though, isn't it? Oh yeah. <laughs> JJ Kale, thank you so much for talking with us. I really, really appreciate it. Well, thank you. Just 
Thanks for listening to the KPBS Summer Music Series. To catch a new episode every two weeks, subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And for performance videos and more great artists, visit kpbs.org slash summer music series. John Decker is Interim Associate General Manager of Content, Lisa Jane Morissette, Operations Manager, and Megan Burke, the Senior Producer. I'm Kurt Conan. KPBS On Demand is supported by MaraCal Design and Remodeling, helping homeowners with their home remodeling needs. From ADUs to custom kitchen remodels and room additions, MaraCal Design and Remodeling designs and builds your dream home. Learn more at trustyourhometous.com.